All right, welcome back to another episode of Get to the Point with Buddy and Seabear. Um, Seabear, it is finally college football. There's been some games played already. Week zero was this past week. We got week one coming up. Um, not a whole lot of games week zero. None that were very entertaining because the ones that were close weren't teams that you were interested in, and the teams that you were interested in were blowouts. Uh, Vandy did squeak away. They tried to keep it close late. Hawaii almost found a way to get it. But uh, let's start with Notre Dame. Um, This is, yeah, Sam Hartman is their quarterback this year. Sam Hartman might make this team a playoff contender. He very well could, buddy. That's a very good observation you've made there. And I was, for one, not really sure how Sam Hartman fit into the Notre Dame offense, but uh, I've come to realize something, buddy. If Sam Hartman's your quarterback, you're going to be all right no matter what the hell you're doing. Well, he, he was he, – he tied Colt McCoy for passing touchdowns in a career, which is a big name. He, I mean, he was like over 120 for his career. He set all kinds of records in the ACC, and now he finally came over to Notre Dame. And not only – but he's not going to have to sit there and drop back and throw it all the time because I don't know if you watched that game, but they have a stable of running backs. They had three or four guys that could be starters in most places. Really good offensive line, too. I think that's what he was missing at Wake Forest. He had to drop back and take a two-step drop and get the ball out two and a half seconds. That offensive line – now, granted, they were playing Navy. But, I mean, Navy's supposed to be a run-stopping defense. And to your point, buddy, they ran the ball at will on Navy. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't It was even a fair fight. They went, ended up winning, what, 42-3? to three? Yeah, um, and my stupid self had freaking Navy to cover. Yeah, Notre Dame put that game away in the, honestly, the first half, uh, probably more like the first quarter. Navy had a couple – they had a drive, very first drive of the game. They had an opportunity to go down and score, tie it up. And then they throw it to uh, Navy, drops back and throws it for the first time in the game and throws it, a good ball that was right there. And two Navy guys played defense on each other, didn't catch it on fourth down, and that was pretty much the game. But Notre Dame is going to be a team to reckon with, I think. Sam Hartman's the real deal. That's, I mean, that's what it comes to, buddy. As long as. Sam Hartman stays healthy and he's playing that brand of football. He is Notre Dame is going to be a really hard team to beat. But I mean, it's not like they're playing a slouch schedule. They they're actually playing an ACC schedule this year. So it's gonna like they're gonna have to run into Clemson. They're gonna have to run into Florida State. I believe they're gonna run into one of the two. So they they also play Ohio State. Um, that's gonna be a big test for them. They play USC every year. That's gonna be another one. Uh, speaking of USC, that is another team that was playing this past weekend. They played San Jose State. Caleb Williams played about how you expected. He threw for four touchdowns and threw all did whatever he wanted to. But the real question is, I'm just going to ask you, do you think that it's the same thing with every Lincoln Riley team? Do you think their defense is going to hold them back from making a playoff? Because they gave up, what, 28, 35, something like that to San Jose State, who's not any good. Yes and no. And the reason I say no is because if they can somehow find a way to get through the Pac-12 schedule and win the Pac-12 undefeated, you can't keep them out of it. 
But that defense is going to be an issue because, I mean, they're going to have to run into Washington. They're going to have to run into Utah. And if they don't beat either of those teams, one of those two teams will sneak into the Pac-12 championship and probably beat them because that was the problem last year, right, buddy? They played Utah twice and couldn't stop Utah's offense. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And then not only that, they ran into Tulane in the Sugar Bowl and they couldn't stop their offense either, and they ended up blowing that game. I just don't think that Caleb Williams is special. Um, he's the Heisman front runner for a reason. He won it last year. Um, but I don't know if he's going to be able to be enough to stop the – if he's going to be able to protect the defense from really good teams. I mean, they should be able to handle it not as good teams, but they're going to play a tough schedule this year. So uh, I don't know. I don't know if they have enough. It's – but it's, just, it's the same consistent story that we keep preaching with Lincoln Riley is, is their defense good enough? Is their defense good enough? Is their defense good enough? I'm sorry, but if you give up – what they give up, 35 to San Jose State? If you give up 35 to San Jose State, you're going to give up 70 to Penix, Jr. in Washington. You're going to give up 60 to Cam Rising in Utah. So, I mean, they've got to figure something out, and they got to do it quick because – they might find themselves in a game in week four or week five, and I haven't looked at our schedule in a while, but they can find themselves in a week four or week five game and be questioning if they're going to be undefeated when they go into Washington. Yeah, and it's it's not like they don't have the athletes. It's just like they don't care about defense. I mean, the tackling's horrible. The positioning's bad. It's just not very good. But I don't know. That's, that's really the only two takeaways I had from week zero. Um, let's go to week one. Today, we're recording on a Wednesday, so that means that tomorrow is really the – last week was the unofficial start of college football. This week really gets it going. Big game tomorrow night. Um, Florida goes out to Utah. Um, it's going to play Cam Rising and them. Graham Mertz will be the starting quarterback for Florida. I'm interested to see how he handles this. Utah is currently favored by four, which I think is a little closer than I was expecting, especially for a home game for Utah. Not only that, Collins, listen to this. I saw this stat last night, and it blew my mind. This is the first non-conference road game for Florida that is outside the state of Florida since 1991. That's an issue. That's an issue. First of all, how in the scheduling, how do you make that work to where you don't play a non-conference road game out of the state, your home state for 32 years? I mean, you're Florida. That, that's the only way you do it is if you're Florida and you're scared. Last time they did play a non-conference road game was in 1991 against Syracuse, and they lost that game. So that's probably why they stopped. Yeah, if you lose Which to Syracuse, you've got problems. Yeah. So, like I said, Utah minus four. Do you think that's too close, or what do you what do you think is going to happen there? I'll be honest with you, buddy. I don't have a daggum clue what's going to happen, and this is why. Florida knows, or the the players know, that Billy Napier's on his way out if they don't play good. Yeah. If they have a bad season, Billy Napier's out. If they like Billy Napier, they're going to play their little butts off all freaking year to try and keep him. If they don't like Billy Napier, they're going to play like dog water just to see him leave. 
So yeah. I, I just be I don't know what the consensus is on Billy Napier. I would say that it's pretty good because they're still getting some pretty high caliber recruits. But they also could be getting high caliber recruits because they have Jordan on their jersey and they're the University of Florida. And they have yeah, money I think to do that. I think that's the main thing, but I, I think Utah is the better overall team. I imagine that Florida's probably gonna have equal or if not better athletes, especially O line, D line, where it really matters. So I, I don't think Florida wins this game. I think they keep it close for a while. But I think Utah. I think Utah covers. I want to say Utah covers. I really do, but I am not confident at all. The only, the only reason I'm not confident is because I've heard so many people say Florida, 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 Florida. When originally I was on this Utah train. And because so many people are on Florida, I've just walked myself off of it just because I don't want to be caught on that bad. You don't want to be caught on that end of the stick where you take Utah, everybody around you's got Florida, and you have to freaking tote that loss. Yeah. So I I do still like Utah. I think Utah wins the game. But I will tell you, buddy, I got a 10-point teaser, and I took Florida plus 14.5. All right. Uh, So – that's really the only game, big game, Thursday or Friday. Uh, North Carolina and South Carolina, Battle of the Carolinas in Charlotte. That's college game day will be there. Um, it's a really good test. I think it's a good quarterback matchup between Drake May and uh, Spencer Rattler. South Carolina finished on a high note last year. North Carolina, I mean, was a good team in the ACC, but nothing super special. What do you see? How do you see that playing out? I see a lot of points going up. Yeah. I think Drake May is going to probably throw for four or 500 yards. I think Spencer Adler is going to throw for probably three or 400. I think it really all depends on who gives who gives away short field position the most. So whoever has the most turnovers in this game, that's what it's going to come to because I don't think that either of these defenses are necessarily good enough to stop the other one in their, the other offense in their tracks. So where, where's this game at? It's in Charlotte. So it's a neutral site game. Are they playing that at the Panthers Stadium? Is that where they're playing? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know, buddy. That's a good game. What's it's North Carolina minus two and a half? Is that what it is? I'm looking right now. I can't find it. I think that's I think what I'm it is. That sounds right. I, it. Uh. Yeah. North Carolina minus two and a half. The game's at six thirty on Saturday. Uh. I'll, it'll I'll be go a ahead good game. And- I'll go ahead and die on this hill. I'll take South Carolina to win. That'd be a big statement for them. That's a big statement for them early on, I think. I think that'd be a really good way to jumpstart their season. Uh, Mm -hmm. Get a lot of – I mean, there's there's some hype surrounding South Carolina this year, um, just by the way they finished last year. So I think it'll be a fun one. Uh, I'm excited to watch it. Another game I'm excited about is – and this game may be – completely overrated. It may not even be close at the end of the game. Uh, it's a game that the spread is 20 and a half, but I th- it's entertaining because of one person and one person only. And I'm talking about Deion Sanders, I'm talking about Colorado at TCU. TCU is favored by 20 and a half. Colorado is, according to ESPN analytics, is projected to have the lowest win total out of any team in the, in, any team in the FBS, which after hearing all the stuff Deion's been saying, it's a little bit surprising. But they have 80-something new guys on the team, so you don't really know what to expect. But 
do you think not even going to say a, if they're going to win or not do you think they can cover I think they can cover yeah I this is the thing that scares me when you have what is it 82 transferred 53 or I I can't remember but it, the thing that it comes down to is you have no idea what brand of football Colorado's going to play you have an idea because of who Deion Sanders is but, dude, nobody knows. Like, they're, they're going to go out there. They're going to run a spread offense. They're going to try and run the football on TCU. When they figure out they can't, they're going to RPO TCU to death. But this is the thing. Colorado's defense is not going to stop TCU's offense. I don't care that Max Duggan's not there. That offense is still very, very good. They returned a lot of pieces on that offense. They're going to they're gonna have to get in a shootout game where they're just going to have to score points, and it worries me. I've heard people say that Colorado's going to win that game. I think that's just strictly because people like Dion, and they think yeah. that he can pull anything. Uh, I don't see it happening. He never it won was, a meaningful game at Jackson State, buddy. See, that's every really game the thing that, about it. Yeah, every game that Jackson State had on television, where everybody was watching, they lost. So why yeah. why do we all all of a sudden think that Dion can go into TCU with eighty two transfer portal players and somehow find a way to win against a a team that played for a national championship last year. Now, they got blown out of the water, but they beat a daggum good Michigan team to get there. Yeah. And not only that, I don't know if you saw this, but talking about the games that were on TV for Jackson State, one of the games last year was um, when they played NC Central in the um, the, the Care Bowl or something like that, basically. Yeah. Um, Got beat by them. NC Central and Jackson State played last week, and Jackson State beat them without Dion. So I, hmm. I don't know if that means anything at all, but I don't know how good of a look that is for Dion. I saw him on – he was getting interviewed last night talking about how all these guys came for to be on TV to do all that kind of stuff. But he's like, they also came and understand that there's going to be a lot of – maybe not disrespect, but a lot of talk around them, not always good, especially if they go and get blown out of the water by TCU, just because that's just not a good start to the Deion Sanders era at Colorado. But they're starting from literally the ground up. I mean, so it's just a brand-new team. They sucked last year. They were 1-11 last year. So, honestly, if they can win four or five games this year, I'd probably call it a success for Colorado. Deion probably won't, but I probably would. I've got over three-and-a-half win total, and I got it at plus money. So I do think Colorado can win four games this year or else I wouldn't have bet on it. But I wouldn't be surprised if they're two and ten. I mean, I'm not yeah. gonna kick myself for betting three and a half. I mean, they only got to do is win four games, but mm-hmm. I could I am not gonna be surprised if they're two and ten. I'm not gonna be surprised if they're six and six. Yeah. Um another team that was in the playoff last year, Ohio State, is going to Indiana this this weekend. They name uh Ryan Day named Kyle McCord the starting quarterback. Yesterday, actually, uh, said that both quarterbacks will play. Do you? He said this is uncharted waters for him. He's never had two quarterbacks play. Do you think this is an issue moving forward for Ohio State that they're not a hundred percent sure who the guy is? No, I think it, honestly it puts him in a better position. Because whereas before they've had to rely on one quarterback, if one goes down, they're not going to be hurt. Like think about it. Ohio State's national championship run when they won it, they had three quarterbacks play in three games. That's true. If anything, it lends towards Ohio State. Now, I will say this. 
I'm a little bit worried about that for my Marvin Harrison Jr. ticket, but it also yeah. makes me happy about it because if two quarterbacks are going to play, they're going to have to rely on one big dog, and he's the big dog. Yeah, he's the biggest dog when it comes to receivers. Mm-hmm. He's obviously he's the best receiver in the country. I don't think it's anywhere close. Uh, I've got Marvin Harrison Jr. to win the Heisman this year, buddy. That's not a bad pick. That's what outside. I, I think it. he's the. I think he is the has the best odds for non quarterbacks. Uh, even though it's become such a quarterback award that it's probably not going to happen. The last, uh, even the last person be, that wasn't a quarterback to win it was who? Devontae Smith, receiver. I'm it not was saying, I'm just year. saying. It was, look, it was 2020. It was a COVID year. It was shortened season. It was a little different, so I can't necessarily comp- say that that holds a lot of weight. But you never know. I mean, you're right. It was He was the last one to win it, but uh, I, I don't know. I don't think that really makes much of a difference. Uh, next game I have here is another Penn, another Big Ten team that's going to be fighting to win the Big Ten or the national championship. Uh, Penn State hosts West Virginia. Honestly, I don't even know who West Virginia's quarterback is because they've changed so much in the last few years. They've had like three different guys. JT Daniels was their starting quarterback last year. He's now about to play. He's playing at Rice. I don't know if you saw this, but I think he's going to play at Texas four different times for four, for four different schools because they opened up at Texas, which is just insane. But, no, I don't really expect – I mean, Penn State's favored by 20 and a half. I think they handle it. I don't know if they cover, but I think they handle it pretty easily. I think that's a good way to get their season started and get rolling. The thing that worries me around Penn State is their head coach. He ain't proved to me not a daggum thing. Honestly, since he's been at Penn State, I would agree. He's won. He won that one game against Ohio State back in like 2016. Um, I say he proved more at Vanderbilt than he has at Penn State. Uh, he really hasn't done anything. I mean, they've been good. They've been in close games, but they've never been able to win the big game. Like they had Ohio State on the ropes last year, and next thing you know, they turned the ball over like three times in the last four drives, and it's, and they blew it. Um, and that comes down to coaching. A lot of it does. I 100% Mental agree. errors like fumbling come down to coaching. And it worries, yeah. but I'm everybody's on this Penn State hype, Penn State hype, and I get why. On paper, that is one of the best teams in college football. Mm-hmm. But what are they coached to do? In my opinion, they're coached to lose close games. They're right there. They're right there. They're trying to get over that hill. They're trying so hard. But whoever keeps pushing them down, will not let them over the, that hill. And I hope this year they get over the hill and they beat Ohio State and Michigan and we see them play in the college football playoff. Nothing would make me happy. Yeah, I think it would be fun to get somebody different. Uh, this is the last year of the four-team playoff. I would love it if none of the teams last year made it, just because I'm sick and tired of seeing the same teams over and over and over again. But yep. uh, speaking of two teams that are mentioned up in there for maybe making the playoff this year, I think these are two of the most hyped teams coming into the season. Uh, probably the biggest – it's the biggest game of week one. Uh, it's LSU and Florida State in Orlando. Uh, that game's on Sunday night. It's not on Saturday. It's on Sunday, so it's all pretty much all by itself. Uh, LSU's favored by two and a half. Uh, this is the number five team in the country, and it's the number eight team in the country. This is a big one. This is a top ten matchup in the first week of the year. Um, like I said, a lot of hype surrounding – both teams, both quarterbacks, especially both Jordan Jordan Travis and Jaden Daniels are both up there for um, 
Heisman contenders. LSU blew it last year. Uh, they got an extra point block to lose the game. Uh, I think that they come back ready to go. But I think this is a realistically, I think this is a make or break game for both teams in this week one. Because I think if you walk away from this game with a loss, you're like, I don't know if we're as good as we all, as we thought we were. They've been so hyped up that if you lose a game like this, then it's got to be demoralizing for a bunch of guys. They're pretty much, they're older teams, so I don't think it's going to have that much of an impact. But at the same time, I don't know. I think this, I think this is a really important game for both teams. I agree with you, buddy. And this is what scares me for LSU. They opened it as a one and a half point favorite. So Vegas wasn't willing to give them a lot in the first place. About 99% of the money at one point was on LSU. They didn't move that line but two, but a point. They had every opportunity to move that line to three and a half, four and a half, six and a half. They had every opportunity to, and they didn't. I don't know if that's because the, everybody thinks Florida State's going to be that good or if they're trying to tell you right here and right now that LSU is not going to beat Florida State. Now, I don't know. But I am going to tell you I'm going to be on Florida State money line, and I don't care what anybody says. That is the one hill I'm willing to die on. I, I'm not willing to take the shot on Utah. I'm willing to take the shot on Florida State because all it's going to take is Jay, is Jaden Daniels to get hurt in the first quarter or to have three turnovers in that game, and it's over. It's over. I mean, both of those are pretty – probably not going to happen. But, I mean, it's, both of them are possible. Mm-hmm. Personally, I would love to see LSU lose. I don't like LSU, and I'm tired of them talking about how great they're going to be this year. I wouldn't mind if they got ran out of the building, but I don't see it happening. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to come down pretty much like the last year. I think it's going to come down to the last possession of the game. Um, I think it may come down to whoever has the ball last. Um, I mean, it. We'll see. I think who do hmm. you who do you give the coaching nod to in this game? I think I know what you're going to say, but who do you give the nod as far as coaching staff? It's Brian Kelly. Um, it is. I like Norvell. I think he's come a long way. Uh, but I, it doesn't make any sense to give the nod to him over Kelly uh, just because Kelly's yeah. been doing it for a long time. I mean, he won the SEC West last year. Whether you want to say it was a weak West last year or that he got lucky, it doesn't matter. He still won it, which is huge for the first year coming in with a team that really wasn't expected to be anywhere close to competing for the West. But they won big games last year. They lost this They lost this game, but they won big ones. Um, so I think that LSU probably will have the advantage. I don't like but it, but at, I, think, I think LSU wins this game, but I don't like it. Let's look at last year's, last year's team, though. They're one possession away from Mississippi State beating them in Baton Rouge. Yeah. They're one possession away from losing to Texas A&M. They're one possession away from losing to Alabama. But they were They're down big. Pos- they were down big to Ole Miss at halftime. I mean, they are one possession away in a lot of these games from not being ten and two, from being like six and six. Yeah, but at the same time, winning those one possession games shows you that hey, look, they know how to win big games. I mean, that's one thing. And it's going to happen this year. You're going to have teams that win close games. 
and people are going to get are going to say that, well, maybe they're not that good. Maybe they can't do this, but they find ways to win games, which is just as important as winning big game blowout games. I mean, because it, when it really matters, the games that if you want to beat Alabama, if you want to beat a Georgia in the SEC championship, if you want to make a run at the playoff or the national championship, you're going to have to win close games. And if you know how to do it, then that helps. They had a lot of mistakes last year in the Florida State game. They had tons of penalties, had players get ejected for just stupid stuff. And they had a missed they had an extra point blocked it to, to lose the game. I mean, that's they made as many mistakes as you could, but they didn't let that bother them too much because they came back and found ways to win really big games later on in the year. Yeah. I yeah, you're you're right about that. I my my worry for Brian Kelly is they Ed Ozer on him. I don't think so. I think that Kelly's different. Because Ogeron didn't have a good reputation head coaching-wise coming into when he was at LSU. He took the job because – he ended up with the job because um, Les Miles got fired. It wasn't because they necessarily wanted him. It's that he took over in the middle of the year and did good enough to where they kept him on. And then he just so happened to assemble one of the greatest teams of all time in the 2019 LSU team. And he won, they won him a national championship. Brian Kelly's different. Brian Kelly's been there, done that at different schools, at big-time programs, and he's made playoffs. I mean, he's won – he's made the national championship twice or and got, once. And got beat like a redheaded stepchild. You're right, but he still – they made it, and they won big games along the way. But I, I don't just, think – I can But see it's also different. It's also different. Too. We're talking about Notre Dame and LSU. LSU is a whole different level than Notre Dame because Notre Dame is great and all, and but they – are good because they were good in the 80s and 90s, not because they're necessarily great now. Um, LSU's been good. They've won three national championships in the last 20 years. That's a big deal. So If if Brian Kelly goes out there, and I think a honestly realistic season for LSU is 9-3. and three. I think it's realistic. Yeah. But I think if LSU goes 9-3, they're going to hold on to him. But it ain't going to be long because they've already showed you that they're willing to get somebody out of there and pay the money, whatever money they got to pay to get somebody out of there. I think that's just the nature of college football nowadays. I don't even think it's necessarily LSU. I think that's just what everybody does. Especially when um, money's floating around. For real. Uh, last two teams I want to talk about. Um, Seabear, Ole Miss or State? Who wants to go first? Oh, man. You go first because uh, – right. All right, so Ole Miss plays Mercer. Um, Mercer found a way to win a game this past week against North Alabama. They only scored 17 points. Um, it shouldn't be a game. It's Ole Miss home game at 1 o'clock. Kiffin was asked earlier this week who his quarterback was going to be. He did not answer that question. I think he knows who it's going to be. I think it's going to be Jackson Dart. I don't think it's much of a question. I think he's just holding that close to his chest because why not take a little bit more of a competitive advantage? It doesn't matter if you're playing Mercer or Alabama. I mean, why not use that if you can? Um, that way you got to prepare for both. Uh, I think both will play. Um, and if we play how we should, Walker Howard might even get some opportunities to play. Um, so I think that Ole Miss should handle it pretty easily. But I don't know. It's going to be a hot one in in Oxford. I don't even think there's a line for this game because no, it's not a line. Um, just because it's Mercer. 
So I think Ole Miss handles it easily, though. Yeah, I don't see a world where Ole Miss keeps it competitive other than I've seen Ole Miss keep these games competitive before. <laughs> I mean, that's the only reason why it could be. I was there when we lost to Jacksonville State, so I've seen it too. I think I was I think I was there for the first half of that game. Yeah, well, I was there the whole was that, game. Was that 2018? No, like 2010. Oh, uh, who did y'all play in 2018? It was really close. It might have been Jacksonville State, but it was really close until like after. No, it was uh, Southeast, Southeastern Illinois, I think. That's who it was because y'all were down in the first quarter. Yeah, no, we we played <laughs> like crap, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, game. I was so- in the student section. I mean, assuming nothing crazy happens, Ole Miss should handle it pretty easily. Uh, so that's what I'm expecting. Anything less, and I might not. We may not have a podcast next week because I probably won't want to talk about it. Really, buddy? Yeah. It's Come gonna, on now. Either that, or it's going to be an hour long of me just yelling. So I would honestly, buddy, I would rather have that than no podcast. I think everybody would. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, all right, Mississippi State, they play Southeastern Louisiana. There's no line for that game either because it shouldn't be a line. They're going to take they're going to take care of all this, right? I mean, it's one of the oldest teams so. in the country is Mississippi State. I I just want to see how we look. Yeah. Like it's same thing with Ole Miss, right? Like you're going to be able to tell what kind of season you're going to have by the end of this game. Yeah. Should be. So I, At least I have just an want idea. to see how it looks. Um, the real question, and this is the only one really thing I'm worried about and interested in in that game, is do Will Rogers and Mike Wright both play? I think we see three quarterbacks play. Really? I have heard from a source that Chris Parsons, and I quote from the coaching staff, is better than Will Rogers and could be the next Cam Newton. The next Cam Newton? That's how highly they're speaking of Chris Parsons down there in Starwell. Cam Newton's top three players of all time. I'm not saying that that's going to be necessarily true, but that's his comp. Okay. So I do think we see three quarterbacks. All right, then. Well, I'll be have to tune in and check that Problem is, is at the same time as the Ole Miss game, I'm not going to be watching it. So I'll be in Oxford. So I'll be honest with you, buddy. I don't have SEC Network Plus, so I don't know how I'm going to watch that game either. I'll probably just have to get on the computer and stream it. If you have ES, the, if you have the ESPN app, it'll play. Oh well, then we're loaded, locked and loaded, yeah. ready to go. You're good. Um. So yeah, that just about covers the games that I'm interested in. I think that's about how you are. Let's bring it back. It's been a while. There hasn't been anything worth doing it for. But it's time for Sea Bears Lock of the Week. Who we, who you got this week? All right, buddy. We're going to Lexington, Kentucky. Okay? Ball State against old Kentucky. And we're going to lay 26.5 points with Kentucky. Two reasons why. The Max sucks at covering football games outside of conference. And Kentucky is the best team since 2019 in covering the spread. Another thing, Devin Leary is liable to go off. He has an SEC offense, which he's never had. At NC State, he made that offense look good, and they were arguably not very good. 
So he's going to have a good offense. He's going to have a good offensive line. He's going to have a good defense. Ball State will not know what to do, and it becomes a track meet for Kentucky. I'll tell you what else I like, buddy. And this is a Friday night bet, and I'll just give it out because I'm I'm here. Stanford minus three and a half. Everybody oh. and their mom. Everybody and their mom thinks Hawaii is a good football team because they just competed with Vanderbilt. I'm sorry, but that means nothing to nobody. All right. Stanford and Kentucky. Okay. Um, one more game. This is the battle of the Miamis. Miami, Ohio, Miami, Florida. Miami, Florida is favored by 16 and a half. Who wins that game? Miami, Ohio has been talking a lot tongue. of crap. Blaine Gabbert better watch his tongue, buddy. I will say this, though. Miami looked like they had no idea how to play football last year, and I don't know if that's changed. That's – I mean – We'll see who wins it then, Ohio or Florida? Florida. Okay, I agree. Yeah, Miami, Ohio. It would be awesome. It would be awesome if Miami, Ohio wins this game. But it's not going to keep it close until halftime. But it's it's one of those situations where if you're going into half, after halftime of the Power Five football team is where it really starts to hurt. Yeah. Because you don't go in the locker room. Gotten a little stiff. Now you got to come back and stretch, and you're about to get yourself hit in the mouth, hit in the mouth, hit in the mouth. And that's what Power Five teams pride themselves on is being able to outlast non-Power Five schools. So it could be a good game at halftime, but I think Miami separates themselves. Yep. All right. Well, that will just about do it then. One last thing. This is something that I was super excited to see. Uh, wasn't felt pretty good about it for a while, but wasn't a hundred percent sure until yesterday when it came out or two days ago when it came out, our man undrafted free agent from West Point, Mississippi, Jason Brownlee made the 53 man roster for the New York jets pump for him. That is awesome. Uh, I can't wait to, I'm, I'm buying a 16 Brownlee Jersey because that's, I mean, that's awesome. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. I Look, now I have a reason to watch the Jets. As if I already didn't have $50 on them winning nine and a half football games, now I have more of a reason. <laughs> I'm Dude, pumped I for can't the kid, wait. man. I can't wait to watch him get on the field with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's... This is, this is the thing, bud. Disrespected by going to eat... Well... Tough to say he was disrespected because of the I mean, offense West Point runs. Well, yeah. But, but he went to freaking Juco. And then he yep. goes to Southern Miss, and he is a passing yard. I think he holds the record for passing yards for a receiver at Southern Miss. And I he only played he broke, three seasons. I know he broke every record each season for passing yards in a season or receiving yards in a season. But to go undrafted, and this is the thing, they cut their third-round draft pick. Yeah, That was a wide receiver. They cut him. He was in OT. He didn't make it into freaking preseason football. He didn't make it out of OTAs, dude, and they cut him. Jason Brownlee went in and freaking put in work, and finally, 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 he's getting the respect he deserves. I'll say it for you, dude. You don't have to say it. You're finally getting the freaking respect you deserve. Yep. I'm all, I'm pumped. Uh, apparently, they did a big little the, the big deal on Hard Knocks last night. I hadn't gotten to watch it yet. Um, he was repping the Point City with his shirt on Hard Knocks, which I thought was awesome. Um, dude, Is that out? Uh, yeah, came out last night. I think. Now you know what I'm doing tonight. Yep. So, like I said, 
pump for pump for him. Uh, he's making he's making West Point proud. Um, I can't wait to watch him. So Jason, good for you. Proud of you. Um, go off, go off this year. Just go, just go off. He's the last. He's the last person to make a fifty-three man roster since uh, Justin Cox. Justin Cox, I think, yeah, from West Point. Mm-hmm. So pretty big deal because well, I mean he's up there with some pretty big names. Yeah, Scott Lashley played at Alabama, Mississippi State, got a chance to play it for the Saints this year at OTAs. Uh, Marcus Murphy, he played for the Falcons, didn't make it out of OTAs with the Falcons. He plays XFL football now. But, mm-hmm. I mean, there's some pretty big names. So, for him to be the second since 2014, 2015? Maybe before that, honestly. But, yeah. No, but like Probably I said, him, awesome. Pump for him. Can't wait to watch him. Also, can't wait to watch college football all weekend long. Sea Bear, I know we're going to be sitting on the couch watching football a lot this week. So, don't lose too much money on your bets. Lock of the week. The locks of the week are locks, though, so they're going to hit. Um, what were we last year? Like ten and three? I don't know. I think we were we were doing pretty good. We won like seven in a row at one point. I mean, I, I, no time like the present. Hey, let's get it going again. Let's get it going again. Follow Sea Bear on his lock of the week. Sea Bear, yes. anything else? Um, no. Marvin Harrison Jr. to win the Hosman. Mississippi State to win over six games. Ole Miss to win eight. Uh. Yeah. I'm on the Mississippi train right. this year. Let's do it. Jason Brownlee going to get picked in fantasy this year from probably me if I can. But, nah, I'll pick him in the first round just because I can. All right. All right. Good show, Bear. Let's watch some football this weekend, and we will be back next week to, to recap this first week and get you ready for week two. Uh, good show. We'll see you all later.